and gentlemen, 7 o'clock on a Saturday night, and as usual, that means it's time for the other podcast. I'm your host, Robert Stacy McCain. And I'm not, hello folks, it's John Hogue, the other guy on the other podcast here, and live and direct from exotic Valdosta, Georgia. Hi, Diana. Hi there. Um, I'm going to be a little rough tonight. My voice is not at its best. Yeah, it still sounds nice to me. It's, it's, well, like thank it. you. Sounds we, excellent. We need, to, yes. we, need to get, we need to get you some voiceover work. And really, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, but uh, uh, so are you staying safe down there in Valdosta? Which craziness? Uh, you know, we have had uh, rollouts at like three in the morning of six, seven, eight police cars. And yeah. I have this this nasty suspicion, Stacy, that you know more about it than I do. <laughs> yes, um, uh, yeah, it's Valdosta is turning into the Chicago of South Georgia. Sounds uh, like it. Yeah, uh, two people are dead, and authorities are seeking a suspect in a deadly shooting that injured others Friday evening at Aura Lee West Apartments in Valdosta. Uh, do you know where that is? Uh, you'd have to give me a street. The, the cat is scratching something. I'm sorry, Xander, darling, darling. <laughs> All right, yes, we've got cat I'm scratch sorry. fever. Anyways, authorities are seeking Dontavius Dennis, 31, of Cook County, uh-huh. on arrest warrants for two counts of felony murder and two counts of aggravated assault, according to a Valdosta Police Department statement. Dennis should be considered armed and dangerous. Uh, He is wanted in connection with the deaths of a 27-year-old woman and a 20-year-old man, police said. Um, Two others were wounded in the incident. At 6.25 p.m. on Friday, Valdosta police officers and detectives responded to Orly West Apartments after a citizen called 911 to report that several people had been shot. Oh. Uh, anyway, so so uh, be on the lookout for Dantaeus Dennis, who's from the neighborhood of Adele. Or Adele. Is it a- Adele. It's I'm Adele sorry. here. It's I- Adele. You should know that, Stacey. I, I know. Adele, Georgia. Uh, so so things are hopping down there in the crime capital of South Georgia. Well, speaking of crime capitals, you were writing over at The Spectator this past week about Chicago, but you usually Jeez. blog at theothermccain.com. That's right, and you can find my good friend John Hogue's work at uh, hogwash.com. And it says right here on our uh, list of things to do, 
is the next thing we're supposed to do is let you rant about football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, crimes, um, <laughs> uh, speaking of crimes, it was a uh, crime scene uh, in Minnesota today. Uh, there were three. There are three NFL games today, and the Vikings uh, were trailing thirty-three to nothing at halftime uh, to the uh-huh. Colts. The Colts, uh, with a four-nine-and-one record or a three-nine-and-one record, came in. Anyways, against the uh, division-leading Vikings. Um, and uh, the Colts got out to a 33 to nothing wow. halftime lead. Unfortunately, That's a lot. <laughs> uh, the Colts uh, quarterback is a guy named Matt Ryan, <coughs> who uh, famously choked in the Super Bowl a few years ago and blew a 28-3 lead to the Patriots. Uh well, Matt Ryan is now uh, guaranteed to make it to the Asphyxiation Hall of Fame because he choked again, oh. and the Vikings defeated uh, the Colts 39-36 to in overtime. Meanwhile, uh, in Cleveland, a team oh. that I need to lose, the Browns, <laughs> are currently leading the Ravens 13-3. to The Ravens are without their star quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and they've got Tyler Huntley at quarterback. And so uh, right now they're losing to the lowly uh, Cleveland Browns. And uh, well, Of course, that's, that's kind of a revenge thing for Baltimore. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Well, you know, uh, it, 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 never. Uh, okay. Well, anyways, if we're making an uh, Edgar Allan Poe reference, it's not working for me. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, uh, meanwhile, in college football, uh, uh, today, uh, in uh, they they're playing the never heard of it bowls. Uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of games you've never heard of the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Presented what? by Stifle, yes, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Uh, and Fresno State defeated Washington State 29-6. to And in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, I'm telling you, you've never heard of these games anyways. No, uh, I haven't. 14-ranked <laughs> uh, uh, Oregon State defeated Florida 30-3. Uh, and in the, okay, I'm looking it up here, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. <laughs> yes, I said what? the, yeah, played in Fenway Park, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. That must uh, have been a spicy one. Yeah. Uh, Louisville uh, defeated Cincinnati 24-7. to uh, Meanwhile, on uh. Friday uh, in the, oh gosh, Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl, which was played in Nassau. Okay. Hey, that's a nice trip for the holidays. UAB defeated Miami of Ohio 20 to 4 to 20. And mm. in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl, oh, and what? I have no idea where that was played, the uh, Troy State defeated University of Texas at San Antonio, 18 to 12. And so that's your college football obscurity update. Okay. Well, got that right. (laughs) 
On, yeah. the, on the other hand, I'm sure all the players are doing exceedingly well in their education. Which, uh, <laughs> These well, days? Well, which would hope. But, you know, uh, there was an example mm. uh, this week that I came across of someone who just completely disconnected from, <laughs> from, from uh, the culture and history of the United States. Um, uh, that... I'm not making this up, you know. It's a picture uh, in a a grocery store of delicious for Hanukkah boneless smoked ham, $6.29 a pound. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at that and I'm going, that's that's probably a hate crime. Somebody (laughs) needs to tell the Anti-Defamation League about this. You know, I know that there are a lot of I know that there are a lot of congregations uh, out there that aren't anything like um, observant. But isn't that just a bit insulting? <laughs> well, Let's have uh, some ham for Hanukkah. Well, okay. What was the triggering event for the Maccabees Revolution? And it was sacrificing a pig in the uh, temple yeah. in Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> it, it didn't go over well. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you know, uh, hello testing. Uh, on the other hand. Uh, then we have uh, the people who are responsible, oh. allegedly, for our economy. And um, I titled my post about this, On Track, But Where To? Um, We're on the highway to hell. <laughs> well, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen announced that Joe Biden, quote, has the economy back on track. Uh, we're on the highway to hell, or, or more accurately, where are we going, and what are we doing in this handbasket? Yeah, yeah so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm... well, you know, according to the last official reckoning uh, mm. uh, from uh, the uh, the federal government, uh, inflation has moderated now to seven point one percent. All I can say about this is my four hundred one k and my rollover IRA are not amused. Uh, neither yeah, well, is my yeah, income. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, which oh. has lost uh, about uh, 2,300 points uh, since the start of the month. And, uh, yeah, let's see here. Uh, if we go back before, I'm trying to figure out where, where we would start that uh, – Oh, oh, well. Anyways, but things are not good. <laughs> oh, things are so bad in the economy that the Washington Post has announced layoffs. Uh, and all I said about that was democracy dies in derpness. And so does economic vitality. Yeah, that was uh, very funny. They had a meeting <laughs> and, the, and the, the boss comes in and announces, yes, there's going to be layoffs. Goodbye, and, Taylor Lorenz. Well, you have more trouble than you're worth. Actually, Let's she's hope. probably staying. Well, anyways, she's they're, uh, they're, uh, the, the um, members of the union stood up and, and demanded answers, and he just kind of like shrugged them off and walked out. So, hey, he's working for Jeff Bezos. He don't care. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, on the other hand, uh, where will we get our misinformation then? Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, we're we're suffering from a misinformation crisis. Uh, Dan mm-hmm. Greenfield of uh, Front Page Magazine had a 
YouTube video in which he discussed how the left's recent obsession with misinformation <laughs> follows the pattern of manufactured crises. Uh, Very uh, for example, climate change. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, at the root, and I'm quoting Dan Greenfield, who uh, some of us knew back in the day as the blogger, um, oh, what was his name? What uh, uh, Sultan Nish uh, is, is his handle on Twitter. But anyway, Sultan Nish. He was at, <laughs> at the root of most political crimes are bad ideas, and at the root of the Twitter gate was the notion widely spread by the political class and the media that disinformation, essentially propaganda, posed a critical threat to our society and had to be urgently restricted. The inciting incident for this argument was Trump's victory in 2016. The more the media blew him into a threat to mankind, the stronger the argument came, became for urgently regulating speech. Uh, he goes on to say, so, so the idea that unregulated speech was disinformation or misinformation and that no society could survive free speech was widely dispersed uh, among the educated classes. And he says, I have frequently said in the past that the ability to define the problem is also the ability to define the solution. It's one of those things that the left does really well. It invents a crisis, homelessness, global warming, racism, speech, gives it a political name, and then hammers home the idea that this is a problem that only they can urgently solve. And they do it over and over and over again. And my have, faith... Have, have you ever noticed, though that all of these reforms are always imposed on someone else. <laughs> yeah, never yeah. themselves. Ann Althouse uh, made that point today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but it, but I remember the homelessness crisis, mm. right? Okay. And and the whole Hey, I point, was I I was in ground zero in the early 80s for oh. the homelessness crisis. Yeah. And the, and the whole thing was is is that they were they were trying to find a, something to to you know it was like Hoovervilles right okay mm -hmm. they wanted to blame Ronald Reagan it was all about Democrats finding something they could blame on Ronald Reagan <laughs> and uh, it had nothing to do with a shortage of housing okay it had everything to do with the deinstitutionalization of the mentally ill well the liberals especially the aclu had been in the forefront of deinstitutionalizing the mentally ill and yeah. uh, when they end up camped out on the sidewalk uh as they did uh -huh. uh, you know but it was it was drugs it was mental illness it was crime mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there were a lot of reasons why people ended up homeless and a shortage of housing was not among them. Well, even in a little town where I was living in the 90s, I guess the population of Westminster was just barely over 10,000 at the time. We had three or four well-known people on Main Street who mm -hmm. just were off their meds. Yeah. 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 Uh, there was a person, uh, there's a great book. Uh, called The Future Once Happened Here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and in which he talks about, and I'm trying to, I, I, the, the guy's name will come back to me, but it's called The Future Once Happened Here. And mm-hmm. it uh, talks about the urban crises of the 1990s. And mm-hmm. one of the people they bring up is Billy Brown. Uh, oh. If you've never heard of Billy Brown, um, mm-hmm. uh, she was a, uh, a, a threat. To, to I mean, she would defecate on the sidewalk and mm-hmm. and harass passersby. And this what was what became known as aggressive panhandling, which is to <laughs> say, uh, you know, and and give me I, a quarter or I'll touch you. I remember that. Yes. Oh my gosh! And they, these were uh, these were terrible, terrible people that just needed mm-hmm. to be locked up somewhere. And whether it was oh. the prison or the nut house, I don't care. Oh, on the other hand, the the give me a quarter thing, uh, uh, I did have one good uh, night with that. Uh, I was uh, traveling and had to take a Greyhound bus between uh, airports. And mm-hmm. so I had to wait in the Greyhound uh, station <laughs> uh, in a, a Midwestern city when somebody came up to me and wanted spare change. And I said, yeah, I've got this quarter I was going to throw away here. Take it. And I had to chase him around the place to, to try to get him to take my quarter. And, of course, the cops at the bus station were just laughing. There. Never mind. Uh, uh, it was uh, so, yeah, you, occasionally you get to turn things around. But in general, yeah, it uh, these people, uh, you know, really needed to be in some place where they could be cared for. And, and it, it didn't. It it. It did not happen accidentally. It was a result of policies. Yes. Okay. But it was not Reagan who was to blame. And the same thing uh, with misinformation. You know, it, it's, it's like if if people can't learn how to filter, you know, the idea behind the misinformation crisis the, is the belief of liberals that. If uh, people who disagree with them are allowed to stake their disagreement somewhere, someone might agree with people who disagree with liberals. And that's mm-hmm. just uh, intolerable. Particularly if the person causing this agreement was actually using things like real world facts and data uh, and that, logic. Uh, that can't be refuted. Yeah. I mean, that's completely unfair. Oh, completely. it's unfair. It's unfair. Well, anyways, uh, uh, speaking of uh, misinformation, I have mm-hmm. another post that went up today called Propaganda, Misinformation, and Other Lessons from Communist History. Excellent. And I lead it with a quote. I lead it with a quote. Marxism criticizes the achievements of all those who think otherwise by representing them as the venal servants of the bourgeoisie. Marx and Engels never tried to refute their opponents with argument. They insulted, ridiculed, derided, slandered, and traduced them. And in the use of these methods, their followers are not less expert. Their polemic is directed never against the argument of the opponent, but always against his person. Mm-hmm. And that's Ludwig von Mises from his book, Socialism, which was published in 1922. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the technique and, and Ludwig von Mises is one of the greatest economists of the 20th century. And so, mm-hmm. and so the point is, and, and, and Mises made this point is, is that, is that, 
socialism cannot work. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it it just as a matter of economics, uh, there are reasons why socialism doesn't work. Well, it doesn't yeah. work as a matter of thermodynamics either. Well, and <laughs> but but the point being that. Um, uh, you know, he predicted the failure of the Soviet Union mm-hmm. 70 years ahead of time, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but but they always shouted down. Uh, it was the technique of Marxists to shout uh, down their things. And, and so I talk about the history mm-hmm. of having once seized power, the Bolsheviks immediately proceeded to suppress all potential rivals within mm-hmm. a month. They established the Cheka and appointed Felix Dzerzhinsky as Dzerzhinsky. a Dzerzhinsky. Okay. okay, well, you're good at the Russian pronunciations. Eight months later, <laughs> the Red Terror began in earnest, and within a matter of weeks, the Bolsheviks had summarily executed more victims than were ever sentenced to death in the entire preceding century under the Tsarist regime. Mm -hmm. Lenin had a habit of sending telegrams urging more executions, Mm -hmm. including one in which he famously told the guy, round up a hundred kulaks and hang them in public and make an example of these people. And that the idea being to intimidate um, the population Mm -hmm. and Executions averaged 500 a week for four years, from 1918 to 1922, okay? And uh, Leon Trotsky uh, defended uh, uh, this practice in a book called Communism and Terrorism, in which he said, among other things, intimidation is a powerful weapon of policy, both internationally and internationally. Eternally. War, mm-hmm. like revolution, is founded upon intimidation. A victorious war, generally speaking, destroys only an insignificant part of the conquered army, intimidating the remainder and breaking their will. The revolution works in the same way. It kills individuals and intimidates thousands. That- but, but what is really wonderful is when somebody decides I'm not going to be intimidated anymore. (laughs) And just, just this last few weeks, we've had all sorts of information coming out, including the, the stuff that uh, uh, Matt Tayabi had uh, last, well, actually, and Barry Weiss, but I I was just talking about what he had Mm -hmm. yesterday evening where basically he exposed 80 FBI agents as what amounts to fact checkists. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, David Strom at Mm -hmm. hotair.com had a uh, post about what he called pre-bunking. Yes. Uh, And he talked about the fact that the left can't argue anymore, Um, uh, that they seek to dismiss uh, conservative arguments with ridicule, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to discredit the source and do nothing more. The mm-hmm. idea being to destroy the credibility of their opponent without actually convincing you of any particular argument. And I uh, go on to say, well, this is the same thing. See, mm-hmm. it, 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 and he talks about this woman uh, with a PhD, which to have a PhD as part of your Twitter profile, 
pretentious. Caroline or Bueno. We'll get to her in a little bit later in greater depth. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. It comes back up. Okay. All right. Well, then, but go ahead. Sadly. But yes, anyway, so she. I need you. I need you to set this up. Yeah, but um, uh, but but she um, falsely accused Elon Musk of promoting QAnon <laughs> conspiracy theories. Okay, and the reason, of course, she's attacking Musk is because he has ended the left's control of Twitter, thus threatening their power to suppress opposition which makes him an enemy who must be destroyed and any slander will do. Yes, it mm -hmm. will. Uh, but you also brought up uh, the idea of McCarthyism. Uh -huh. and I need to make a, 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 a bit of information that comes from my personal experience about that. Um, my father was a military intelligence officer in the Army during the Second World War, mm -hmm. and he stayed in the Army Reserve until the mid-60s. Uh, he was an Army Reserve military intelligence officer during the McCarthy era. And he hated McCarthy. Okay? Not because McCarthy was exposing communists, but because he was doing such a, a, an inept job of it. Not that uh, there weren't uh, communists to be exposed but that he was doing it in a way that set things up for just this kind of mm -hmm. uh, attack. And you, you, so that's one of the reasons why I have less than no patience for people who are inept in, mm -hmm. in, in, in confronting uh, uh, the left uh, and, and basically become a cannon fodder for their arguments. So thus, that's, the that's, thus the shame of the trading cards, yes. Yes, that's the shame of the trading cards as well. Uh, I wonder how many people will get those for Christmas. Mm, not me. If somebody See, dares, they will be hurt. <laughs> although I've, I, I, I hear that, uh, Stacy, you, you have some recommendations about Christmas Oh, shopping. okay. It's that time of the program, folks, where we resort to shameless capitalism. Uh <laughs> And so if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, you will notice right now at the top of the blog are some last-minute Christmas gift ideas uh, where I recommend the Nakatomi Plaza <laughs> Christmas Party 1988 T-shirt. And I, I go on to explain there that we all remember the fateful Christmas Eve in 1988. <laughs> when the nation was gripped by fear as notorious international terrorist Hans Gruber, who was German, you know, despite speaking with a distinctly British accent, and his gang held dozens of hostages inside L.A.'s famous Nakatomi Plaza. Those of us who watched it still remember the feeling of shock. It was so incredible that we couldn't believe it was actually happening, Followed by the sense of relief and gratitude as we learn that the hostages, most of them anyway, had been rescued by the heroic New York City Police Lieutenant John McClain, who, by an amazing coincidence, happened to be visiting his estranged wife, Holly, a Nakatomi ex-executive who was attending the park party. This is why every year during the holiday season... <laughs> 
patriotic Americans have been showing the documentary film Die Hard to our children so that the memory of this night of heroism when McLean, with the courageous help of LAPD Sergeant Al Powell, showed us all the true meaning of Christmas. And remember, uh, people, you should always leave cigarettes, whiskey, and a Twinkie in the, the ductwork for McLean on Christmas Eve. Right, right. Yes, you and, should. And, and during our family's annual commemoration of that historic night, one of the younger children, now including our grandkids, is sure to ask, <laughs> Grandpa, did it really happen that way? To which I answer, of course, and reindeer can fly, you know. So... <laughs> That's all about shopping our Amazon links to have a yippee Kaye Christmas. And you see that uh, by our Amazon affiliate account, that generates a commission to us at no cost to you. And you can get your Nakatomi Plaza Christmas party <laughs> shirt uh, uh, <laughs> to... Uh, uh, to commemorate that 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 uh, fateful Christmas Eve. Uh, are there other ways that you, you can be supported? Uh, oh yes, there? right, right, right. Yeah. And underneath, At, uh, near the top of my blog in the center column is a yellow button with the word "donate" on it, and if you will click the yellow button, it will take you to my PayPal account where you can contribute dollars. <laughs> shekels, pesos, yen, euros, any sort of currency except Russian rubles mm -hmm. uh, uh, to help support the blog, to help support the podcast, and of course, uh, to keep my wife happy because she likes it uh, when I make money off of this uh, racket, uh, racket uh, business. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, she, she like my wife likes it when we make money, and uh, mm. keeping my wife happy is job number one. Meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hogwash.com. There is in the sidebar an icon of a tip jar. Click on that, and you'll be taken away to my PayPal account where you can help support either Hogwash or this uh, podcast or both. Uh, you can also shop using the Amazon links you'll find at Hogwash. And you can shop at the Hogwash store as well. There's still time to get a few Christmas gifts in. So hurry up and get those stocking stuffers. Regardless of how you choose to support us, please remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit the freaking tip jar. And let me remind you that there, there are still uh, lots of things that you can order that will arrive by Christmas. Although I just had the experience of ordering uh, some stuff and only uh, uh, it's the same gift for several people and mm -hmm. all but one of them will arrive before Christmas. And then they just sent me a note saying somebody's going to get uh, a gift on the 28th, but still mm -hmm. there's places to shop. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick point, real quick point. Um, Stacy, I expect a plug about this. I got a, I got an assignment from you with minimal mm. information. What did you get an hour later? Uh, you, I, I tell you what, that was excellent, by the way. And I, I, I don't want to uh, tip my hand no. too much. Uh, you never know who might be listening. Hello to the NSA. Hi. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, fascinating, uh, mm -hmm. 
some work there that uh, Diana did for me, and and I passed that along to uh, some friends mm-hmm. uh, who were impressed by how much information uh, in 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 an hour, really. Mm-hmm. It's but, amazing how productive she can be on those sorts of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anything to having well. to do with. Uh, a uh, 501c3 operation, she can uh, get right I, on it. I sure can. Please come to me if you've got any questions. I charge, but I'm quite reasonable. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. Meanwhile, getting back to uh, the way folks are trying to uh, control what you and I can actually see on the interwebs. I'm not making this up, you know. Uh, this is the second one of the evening. Uh, and this, I have, my, have a hat tip to, to Mr. Musk for this one. Um, I have a link to YouTube's uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail bunny <laughs> attack scene. And if you look, go there, you get the following content has been identified by the YouTube community as inappropriate or offensive to some audiences, and then you have to click to proceed. <laughs> the 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 bunny attack is is Plus, might be offensive. Uh, uh, well, least, maybe it's the holy hand grenade of Antioch. I don't know. Well, at least they haven't taken it down yet. And five um, is right out. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's just you know I was talking earlier about people being ignorant mm-hmm. of our cultural heritage and that includes our civic heritage one mm-hmm. of my pet peeves um uh is people going on and on and on and on and on about uh free speech and and and, and just getting it wrong uh, mm-hmm. i had a post uh where i finally just kind of you know i said i had to write something titled yelling theater at a crowded fire Mm-hmm. And by a crowded fire, I mean a dumpster fire. And to be more specific, uh, uh, the left-wing dumpster fire that's been going on uh, in the uh, left-wing precincts of Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. One of my pet peeves, pe- First Amendment peeves, is the misuse of a misquotation by uh, from a line by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Uh, he uh, wrote in a Supreme Court opinion called uh, uh, Shrek uh, versus the U.S. <laughs> that uh, the most pr- stringent protections of free speech would not protect a man falsely yelling fire in a theater and causing a panic. Mm-hmm. Um, now that decision was written to uh, uphold the Democrats' use uh, of the Sedi- Sedition Act of 1918 mm-hmm. to suppress speech of, of people opposing the draft in the First World War. Mm-hmm. The, uh, this was uh, part of the uh, basically fascist or pre-fascist uh, work of the Wilson administration in suppressing dissent. Um, and that the First Amendment part of that, uh, that, thing, that decision was overturned in 1969, in a case called Brandenburg versus Ohio, and that basically is the good Supreme Court law now. Uh, and that case basically says the constitutional guarantees of free speech and free press do not permit a state to forbid or prescribe advocacy of the use of force 
or of uh, law violation except where such advocacy is directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless act, uh, action and is likely to incite or produce uh, such actions. So that Brandenburg test is, 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 is what is you now. So it, it, it isn't per se to yell fire in a crowded theater. Now, it may be immoral, and you may get your ass sued by somebody who's injured because of what you uh, started a stampede, and you might get charged with uh, involuntary manslaughter uh, or voluntary manslaughter, depending on how things went down if somebody died. But, you know, it's not you, – you can yell fire, at least – Per se, you can yell fire in a theater. Um, I but, wouldn't know, advise doing so. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, it's risky business, but you know, you have to be aware of the possible consequences. But let's get back to Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, the dramatic whining, the theater dumpster fire stuff that's resulting from self-inflicted terms of service violations. I mean. Uh, by these left-wing journalists doxing Musk's son. Uh, you know, I just find it to be really boring theater. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the wheel of karma keeps turning. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, ro it's rolled over a bunch of left-wingers. Um, <laughs> Rupar got, uh, got it and a, a bunch of uh, his buddies... Uh, 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 it said initially they were permanently suspended, but apparently uh, some of them are back already. Well, um, he, uh, he, as usual, uh, uh, Elon had a poll. <laughs> yeah, well, on the other hand, the thing that, that aggravates me is all the whining. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Where were these people when I got permanently banned in mm -hmm. uh, in 2015, or when Stacy got banned, what 2016 or 20 2016, uh, or, mm -hmm. or or how about Robert Malone, the the medical doctor who got mm -hmm. banned over uh, telling the truth about uh, COVID, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, or pick it, you know, it's just like uh, where were you know? I've got no patience for these people. It's nope, just, I'm, I'm done with them. Um, but and I and I I steal a uh, journey lyric. Uh, for a wheel in the sky keeps on, on turning. Uh, don't know where I'll be tomorrow. Yes. Anyway, so uh, uh, and I and I lead with Aaron Rupar, who is allegedly a journalist, uh, who was among several left wing journalists whose Twitter accounts got suspended Thursday for promoting the doxing of Elon Musk's private jet, having been. Permanently suspended myself. All I can say is, gosh, it's terrible what's happening to you. <laughs> um, uh, what I was suspended for was violating what they called uh, their rules against participating in targeted abuse, which is a, a, a I, I believe it's a deliberately vague thing. It's a catch all. <laughs> Um, but why, where did this targeted rule come from? Well, it had only been in, in, uh, enacted, uh, announced a few months earlier. Oh, no, that's what they got me for in 2015. That's what I'm saying. And I was banned in February 2016. So participating in targeted abuse uh, was, the, was the charge. 
And it, it came out of Gamergate, right? They mm -hmm. had to find some way uh, to to uh, ban a lot of people who were participating in, in, in Gamergate. And I believe that's uh, where that came from. And, um, and basically, when, <laughs> when you make yourself obnoxious, uh, you can, on, on Twitter, uh, you can expect people to say mean things to you. And, yes. and a mm -hmm. tattooed cover, mentally ill ex-stripper whose real name is Chelsea Van Balkenberg <laughs> uh, was the, uh, she was patient zero of the Gamergate epidemic. And if you don't know who <laughs> Zoe Quinn is. Sadly, uh, I do. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and uh, what happened was some geek started dating her, and then she was apparently uh, sleeping around with a bunch of other people, uh, he alleged. Uh, <laughs> but the, the the old five guys joke, you remember this. But eh. anyways, but but uh, so this geek made the mistake of dating this crazy woman. And um, and uh, anyways, and so, so she became... Uh, a, a lot of people had a lot of mean things to say to her. Well, and you know, but I never even, you know, scarcely paid any attention to this person. But anyways, that's how it got around. But uh, the trust and safety crew at Twitter was apparently 100% left wing. And so it was always conservatives who had to fear banishment for thought crimes. But now that Elon Musk has started cleaning house, the left is claiming victimhood because not only have they lost the power to silence their enemies, they themselves are now at risk of being silenced for engaging in abusive behavior that they've become accustomed to dishing out, but never taking. And so, well. and so I, you know, um, Elon gave them a taste of their own medicine, I think. Yes, he did. And uh, sort of woke them up to the fact that, hey, there's a new sheriff in town mm -hmm. and uh and uh that's uh and so a lot of people are you know just uh uh enjoying some scheidenfreude oh yeah at, at this uh reversal of karma you think yes uh you know uh i guess it's not that i feel like uh I, that's not exactly my emotion but i i am pleased basically to see something more nearly like justice going down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's though talk about, uh, you brought up uh, uh, Carolyn Orbueno. Oh, uh, boy. PhD, uh, and Piled you, higher and deeper. <laughs> yes. Well, and she said, uh, Elon Musk is now explicitly encouraging his 120 million followers to start following QAnon. But uh. definitely... Musk is encouraging his 129 followers to join a domestic terrorism movement. Um, that's kind of interesting because just about the time that she was tweeting that, I had a Team Kimberlin post of the day. And uh, it was about, uh, oh, look, another bad penny has turned up. Now, Stacy, uh, if you look at... Uh, that graphic that basically is a, a, a tweet from uh, from last August from a, uh, something called Net War Systems. 
On the bottom line there, who's responsible for infrastructure for that outfit? Neil Rauhauser. Oh, who's he? Who's he? <laughs> Neil Rauhauser uh, was, uh, for a while, uh, a, an, an associate is the best way to put it. He was an associate of Brett Kimberlin, and he was in the Brett Kimberlin Wars of 2011 uh, and and therefore we're going into 2012 and his uh, uh, in, in, on more than one occasion he showed up at uh, court for some of uh, Brett Kimberlin's uh, uh, proceedings. Yes, I, I first uh, saw Rauhauser when he accompanied Kimberlin to a hearing in July that resulted in the bogus peace order against uh, Aaron Walker being uh, vacated. Yeah, is there some connection between Caroline or Bueno? Do you, see, do you see the yellow? Do you see the yellow line there? Disinformation. Yep, that's her. Did you? Yeah. Do you see the? Do you see the? the RVA wonk. It, Wait it, a minute. Oh my God. Yeah, that's her. Oh my God, she's a companion of Neil Rauhauser. Boy, talk about. She may being... not actually know him. She's a fellow traveler, though. She may not actually know him or even know anything about him, but she's definitely traveling in the same circles. Yeah. Let's Anybody? Just, let's just say that Net War System is now being uh, scrutinized. Oh, really? <laughs> it should has, be. Has it? Has it been? Uh, um, uh, has it has it been um, archived? I'll, I'll just I'll just put uh, uh, yes. There's there is a small amount of stuff on the Wayback Machine, but I'll just point it uh, to you like this: one of the uh, accounts on Twitter that has become active again is Johnny Atsign. Oh, <laughs> yes, uh, Internet Detective Johnny Atsign. But oh, mm -hmm. I had not realized. Now I look at this. Oh my God. Oh my God! We're like, you know, it's it's Kevin Bacon, six degrees of six Kevin degrees bacon. and seven bacon. Yep. Oh my God! No, oh it's my. not even. It's not even that. Yeah. It, 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 so stay tuned, uh, folks. There may be some more interesting. Oh my goodness! But in the same spirit of uh, of uh, this uh, evening so far, uh, let's do one more. I'm not making this up, you know. Um, <laughs> Shortly after overturning New York's handgun carry permit system uh, in the Bruin decision, the Supreme mm. Court vacated the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling upholding Maryland's assault weapons ban. Uh -huh. and, they, and they remanded the case for retooling in light of the Bruin, Bruin decision. Well, they, they've had the uh, briefing and everything else. And uh, on the 6th of December, they had the oral argument uh, at the Fourth Circuit. And during the oral argument, Maryland's uh, uh. Uh, basically argued that the AR-15 uh. is not in common use for self-defense because they're rarely fired that way. Uh, I, really? Really? I thought the, the best possible outcome of a self-defense uh, display of a weapon was that the other party ran away. Yeah, well, you, I, well I'm, now, I'm now concerned about whether or not my 16-gauge uh, uh, shotgun would be legal. 
Mm. Uh. <laughs> it's seldom fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, but the yeah, idea the that uh, that <clears throat> a sixteen gauge, you said. Uh, my twenty gauge, my twenty gauge might make it. My twelve gauge certainly would, but I'm not sure about a sixteen. Mm. You know, but but this is like well, then uh, therefore the uh, AR fifteen is not a weapon of war because it's rarely used in war. It's never almost. It's never, never used in war. <laughs> Very rarely. Well, actually, uh, some of the old cult. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, war, but but yeah, but it's it's true uh, because wars are rare and well, and actually, situations well, actually, where the, the M sixteen I had in Vietnam wasn't a cult either, and it was not marked AR fifteen. Well, situations requiring uh, armed self defense are fortunately uh, rare uh, for most of us, and and so. Uh, One hopes to keep them rare. I, I, I have I have used since I got back from Vietnam firearms four times to uh, prevent something from happening, but I haven't had to kill anybody since I got back from Vietnam. Mm. So I'm very thankful for that. I haven't had to discharge a firearm at anyone uh, since I got back. Well, you mentioned my column. I'm looking at the clock here, and we're uh, we've got we're a little time. But time. I had a. Uh, column at the american spectator this week yeah mm -hmm. uh and, and and that leads into the uh actually what i was how i was going to get into the crazy people are dangerous uh, thing because the crazy people who are dangerous this week isn't actually the bad guy that you're talking about here it's the worst guy who let him out yeah <sighs> uh, we've got crazy people doing it and you've got a similar situation with the chicago story you had in the spectator yeah Roll yeah it, i i'm if you will craziness go, uh go to the american spectator i and and search crime chicago you'll find my uh article uh no safety in chicago uh <sighs> which is about a crime that most of you actually saw the video uh, it's been played on Fox News, and they actually interviewed the the woman who's the victim. A seventy year old woman was robbed mm. in 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 daylight, in broad daylight, on uh, in one of Chicago's most affluent neighborhoods, mm -hmm. Lincoln Park, on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw that video before you did because uh, her daughter, that seventy year old woman, the victim of the crime. Uh, she was uh, she was visiting her daughter, who is married to a friend of mine. Ooh. And uh, after it happened, uh, he sent the video to me very first uh, and said, "Look at this," mm. and um, and it's uh, it, you know it's astonishing. Uh, what happened was this. Okay, she was confronted by a she was out walking her dog when yeah. she was confronted by a masked stranger who pointed a pistol in her face and shouted, quote, give me your effing purse or I'll kill you and your effing dog too. Oh. Uh, she instantly complied, whereupon the robber grabbed her purse, reached in and took her car keys, flung the purse aside and got into a blue Honda with three other accomplices. They rolled up the block to where the woman's Jeep Grand Cherokee was parked. Then two of the thieves exited the Honda and climbed into the woman's Jeep 
and both vehicles sped away. Now, it was later reported, by the way, by CWB Chicago. If you want to follow mm-hmm. crime in Chicago, CWB <laughs> Chicago is it. Uh, it was later reported that this that police believe this same crew has been involved in a string of burglaries over uh, the past week or so, uh, a string of robberies, excuse mm. me. And they were probably driving a stolen car. Huh. And and this is, um, uh, but anyways, uh, it it happened in, in broad daylight. And it happened at the same time that the Chicago police chief was downtown, right? Oh. Giving a media briefing, having a press conference about the arrest of four other criminals who were apprehended <laughs> charged in a recent spree of dozens of robbery. And so, so this is not happening in the ghetto, folks. Okay, this is happening in Lincoln Park where every, the, the guy said, every house on my block is worth a million dollars. Okay, uh-huh. the, the, the house across the street is eight million dollars. Okay, oh. this is, you know, and, and well, so. Uh, but, you, you know, you, go, you rob banks because that's where the money is. The money right. is. Well, what has happened and what has happened is that they have simply stopped locking up criminals. And last year, uh, they passed what is called the Safety Act. Um, And it eliminates cash bail for nearly all felonies in Illinois. (sighs) And um, it is in. In signing it, uh, Illinois Governor J.V. Pritzker called it, quote, a substantial step toward dismantling the systemic racism that plagues <sighs> our communities, our state, and our nation, and brings He's us closer. He's got private security. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 That's. A, anyways, and so this is this is uh, it's craziness, and, and you know, is because. Um, and I, I got to wondering as I was, uh, you know, this story about this woman walking her dog, being held up, went viral. Uh, it, it was in all the media. And I, mm-hmm. I asked myself, why this story? And then mm-hmm. I watched the video again and realized what it was, is that during this robbery, at one point, the gunman points his pistol at the dog. Oh. Right. And that and the TV producers were like, wow. Wow. Right. OK, because that is a human interest. Oh, he's, he's going to kill the old woman's dog. Well, let me well, tell you, it, it, you pointed, that. you know, you pointed gun at my dog and I'm probably going to kill you. Hey, well, but, on the other hand, he's just following sorry. The, he's just following the uh, the, the lead of the ATF. Well, any, anyway, uh, <laughs> except uh, it that, wasn't a corgi. Yeah. Well, anyways, but but as I <laughs> as I point out, as I point out, more than 700 people have been murdered in Chicago this mm. year. Another 2,800 wounded by gunfire, right? Okay, the national media ignores this, but oh, point your gun at an old lady's dog, and that's news. Well, on the other hand, I'll be willing to bet that uh, all four of the thugs that did this have got records. Oh, of course they do. Of course they do. Well, well, but but look at the look at the the Florida man story you did. Uh, once again, a guy with a record. And the crazy people who are dangerous are the folks who are letting these folks go. 
Yeah, yes. and this is a horrible, horrible story, folks. Uh, the headline this on, on my blog was Florida predator charged with murder after girl mm. dies fentanyl overdose. Robert Gulo, uh, 25, had a <laughs> modus operandi. Last year, he was arrested for lewd and lascivious behavior in Hernando County, Florida, after police said he had sex with an underage girl he met using the Tinder dating app. He was released on bond pending trial, mm. but continued mm. doing the same thing, using the Internet to solicit minors for sex, using mm. the offer of drugs as an incentive. In November 2021, Gullo was living in Clearwater and texting with two different girls. Okay, he's 25 years old, one 15 and another 16. On November 18th, 2021, Gullo sent both girls the same text message. Quote, we should hang out tonight. Let's do coke and get effed up. Um. Yeah, and so uh, the 15-year-old turned him down, but the 16-year-old, Megan Cooper, said yes. She snuck out of her house, went to Gullo's house, where about 11.30 that night, she sent a text message to a friend, quote, I just did so much coke, and it feels so good, end quote. Well, that wasn't, wasn't coke, coke dearie. Yeah, it was fentanyl, and uh, and she had four times lethal amount in her system, and so the next day her body was found in a field near some power lines not far from Gullo's home, and so uh, it took them uh, uh, more than a year uh, to get a grand jury indictment in Pinellas County. And he's being charged with first degree murder among other charges. Yeah. And in announcing the charges, uh, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri, uh, mm -hmm. uh, called, uh, Gullo a predator. And the question is, yeah. why was he on the streets? Right. You know, is it, if you get a chance to lock him up, uh, you know, you Please never know do lock him up. Well, anyways, I hear the uh, boogie-woogie uh, piano uh, in the background, which tells us we're nearing the end of uh, this episode of the other podcast, which is our last podcast of the year. Yep, we're taking Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, my birthday, off. Yeah, so we Sounds like return, a plan. Yes, we will return in January, so... Um, um, so, uh, you'll just have to wait two weeks for more delicious <laughs> podcasting excitement. And you can talk about all the bowl games in between. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, so everyone have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us, Diana. Indeed. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Diana. Merry Christmas, Stacy. Merry Christmas to all. Ho, ho, ho. And to all. Oh, yeah.